new people come in, like the 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 uh, Ayana Presleys and the mm-hmm. Rashida Talibs, etc. Okay, then you get new energy coming in because they're younger people with fresh ideas. They can actually operate Snapchat. You know what I'm right. saying? Pelosi can operate Snapchat or uh, mm-hmm. know how to do anything. I mean, like let I'm like this. Go sit down with your grandkids. Go enjoy your life. You served your country. Let let the young people come in. You get what I'm saying? Do do they think? You know, they, you know that's just really how it is. America not gonna change until you get all the elderly white folks out for sure. You gotta get them out, and then put some fresh faces in. So the government the should reflect too. the times. That that's kind of. I mean, the government should reflect the times and reflect the people who it's most. Uh, I guess putting the most impact on and and it seems like what you're saying is right now it's not right this generation is using social media to spread their awareness their messages right everyone now mm-hmm. um, has been given a voice um and not every i was like everyone's been given a voice um but not everyone uh knows what to do with that voice or sometimes even deserves that voice um you know, on certain topics so uh, getting it closer to that age demo where they can reach them where they're at is important to to affecting change ultimately i mean i think we can kind of draw that conclusion is that what you what you're pulling together there because uh i don't know yeah, if bernie's well, on yeah. snapchat <laughs> yeah yeah well see like like court like as a matter of fact i'm on my computer and i see cortez face just popped up in, in my thing here she, she on the weekends be live streaming on well on instagram the, you know what i'm saying boom. And see, and see, Trump. You can say whatever you want to say about Trump, but Trump, you know, was always on Twitter. You know, he, like right. Obama, you know, started the social media thing kind of first, but Trump, right. Trump kind of took it to steroids. You know, with it, you know, everything, right. everything was through Twitter. He wouldn't go through the media; he'd go through Twitter. You know, he would say, "Well, that, that's the only place I could talk without nobody filtering me." You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So you're gonna see more politicians once they get get hip to the game, live streaming and. And, and, and mm-hmm. et cetera, right? Because they want to connect with the people because we all know the media is the fourth arm of the government, so they're going to edit your word. Right. Yeah. So what have you seen, if if any, like, real affected change when it comes to using your platform, right? Because you, again, you know, I know you don't like to talk numbers, but you, know, you have one of the biggest voices with over a million subscribers on YouTube. Um, and how has that directly affected uh, people, have you seen emails thanking you for covering certain things? Um, have you seen kind of that that outpour of love? I know we talked about the trolls, but the outpour of love and support um, that comes from the stories that you're able to shed light on and the perspectives that you're able to bring to people. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely when we're in the street, you know, you meet people, they happy to see you, so that's that's an awesome thing, and they tell you how you know the show has really helped them, you know, change perspectives or. I do something positive, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, from kids saying that they, they, you know, really started to be straight A students, the people, you know, starting businesses, the people giving government contracts, you know, people, um, you know, doing certain news stories and helping them raise, you know, about $30,000, you know, Mm -hmm. $15,000. I mean, it just, it's a a beautiful thing. You get what I'm saying at the the end of the day? Um, you know, yes, there's some issues that go along with that, but uh, I believe the trade-off is, is, is worth it, you know, at least for now. And what, what, who would you say your, your content is for, right? I, because oftentimes people pigeonhole media to be like, oh, well, that's, that's black media, right? Then, oh, that's black media. For, so they mm-hmm. instantly go, everyone who watches that just, that just has to be black. Um, but would you say that your content both 
covers black happenings, but it's not just to educate black people, it's to educate people at large on black issues. Is that is that something well, that well my you know my content my content is, is, is for the world. Whoever wanna mm-hmm. listen to it. Now if, if I do a do a story for instance about kids being treated bad in schools, black children aren't the only ones treated bad in schools right. at times. So just because it's happened to a black child don't mean it can't happen to a Hispanic child, a white right. child, an Asian child. So I'm telling it through the lens of a, being an African-American man. But, yes, we are African diaspora channel. But anyone mm-hmm. throughout the world, and I have people all over the world that watch our channel, mm-hmm. European nations and Asian nations, et cetera. So um, you know, some of them have met me on the street as well, Arab people or whatever. So my channel is mm-hmm. for anybody that want to listen. There you go. All right. He put me in the box. Right, right, it, and that's and I wanted to just ask that question because that's like I said, oftentimes when you're a black person doing something, um, and you and talking about some of our issues, they people put you in that box of oh well, that's just black media, and and then they're dismissive of it sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, and so just you know wanted to spread the message of listen, just because we're black people doing uh, or covering things that happen to black people doesn't mean that it isn't for you as well to to kind of understand the dynamic and then look out for those signs um in your own community well they dismiss us i mean that's their loss i'm, I'm not tripping on that i mean people gonna dismiss <laughs> right. you every day you're getting caught up on being dismissed and you have a hard time right. in life right right yes sir dig it dig it dig it so phil what else you got cooking what what, what else coming in the world expect from you in 2019 oh man I mean, I'm in the lab, you know, doing doing what I do. I don't like to, I don't like to tell people too much what I got going on because it, I, I've always been like this. You see it when it happens, you know, because uh, when it's a plan change, like I thought you were gonna do this, and like yeah, plans change. But I don't like to tell people too much what I got going on. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I think there's a lot going on in the lab. Well, one thing I can tell you that that's concrete. You know, we we all having a group trip uh, in in, in uh, October uh, to Kenya. Okay. So so that so that so that's oh, nice. solidified. But anything else, like I say, I like to I like to show people and pop out with something. I don't like to warn people ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, hit them with hit them with the su- surprise. But, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that's the best way that. to see. You, you're, okay. you're unpredictable. Unpredictability is part of forty eight laws of power. You know that. There you go. There you go. So what do you what do you think right now is the biggest takeaway for people to affect change? What what is it that you would say, hey, if you don't do anything else, you do this, you're on the right track. Getting involved and stop sitting around waiting for someone else to do it. I mean, the problem is we got too many spectators, not enough participators. You know, people tell me all the time, oh, Phil, you should do this, you should do that. I said, no, if you got passion, you do it. I can't right. do everything. There you go. I don't have the money. I don't have the staff. And even if I did have it, I still couldn't cover it all. So you right. get involved. You're part of the community. I think. Oh, I, I totally dig that. So, like, nah, I told, I totally dig that. If like, if more people had the same mentality as they do about rap, you know, more things <laughs> to get done. Yeah, <laughs> everybody uh, want to be a rapper. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it now no, I say that, I say that cheekily, but I say that very seriously right, at the right. same time. I, I forget what uh, interview I was watching, but um, somebody was being interviewed, and uh, the, the commentary and perspective on the current landscape of music was that, you know, there's so many fans that are just making music these days. If less fans made music, we'd have more good music. So, I, like, I'm, I to- I'm in 100% agreement with you, Phil. 
if more people talk less about what other people should be doing and just get it done, more right. stuff, more stuff, more stuff will pop off. Right. Exactly. Well, I've had people tell me, you know, I should be doing this, that, and the third. And I say, well, if you're talking to me on YouTube, then you could do the same thing I'm doing, right? And like, oh, but you mm-hmm. got to work. And I say, but, but you, you built it. Right. It, it. You know was, what I'm saying? The, the the thing that kills me about that, well, well, you you have the platform. It's like, yeah, but when I didn't, I was still doing this. I was I, mm-hmm. I had to put out. I didn't just wake up and have a, a million subscribers and then put stuff out. I put stuff out to get to a million subscribers, and now I have that platform. People forget that you started. Uh, it, well, I don't even want to, but didn't you start like in in your in your basement or kitchen table, something like that, like? Not a basement. We don't have basements in Texas, but, but okay. Bathroom. Okay. It, it, like it, I knew it was. I'm like I knew it was something where it was like that. That's where the man started in in the bathroom, and from the bathroom to a million subscribers. I mean, again, if you even when you don't have much, you have something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and you can make something of it. And it may not be the prettiest thing coming out the gates, but you know, it's something, it's a start. You can always improve, but you can't get back the time that you didn't, you know what I mean? That you didn't do right. it. So, um, you know, I think that that's, that's an important thing too, because we're talking about how great you are and how you've grown and you, you have all this, but let's touch on um, the hum- the humblest of beginnings from the bathroom. Like what, what was the mindset that made you say, yeah, I, I'll, I'm about to get in my bathroom record this video. I'm gonna put this out. And um, people are gonna watch it. Like, what was that the mindset? What was it? No, that was not the mindset at all. The mindset was just doing it as a hobby. Okay. It just morphed into that later. Okay. Now, how? I mean, how did you even come upon the hobby of wanting to cover uh, said things? You know what I mean? How? Like, because a lot of people were scared to. I won't say a lot, but a, a lot relative to the population were scared to get on YouTube initially, like not knowing what they could and couldn't talk about and post. Um, and we're like, well, do I put this video up now? Will I get in trouble? Um, where where you were just able to say, no, I'm going to sit down, and record this, put this out. Like what what was in your mind when you did that? You talked about like the start start, you know. Uh, what was on my mind? Just give, just give my opinion to, to something, and I, and I noticed that you know a few of the videos where I was posting was hitting. I said, "Oh man, people actually like what I'm saying. That's strange." You know, I said most time I, people don't even try to listen to what I'm talking about, so it's, it's interesting. So okay. you know, so that so I, that's what kind of engagement was what actually drew me in more because of the people who engaged with it. And um, as I keep putting up tacos, and people emailing me, hey, you know, can you? I want to love your opinion on this and that and the third. You know, so. Okay. Um, the I feel like this this day engagement is more than viewership to me, mm-hmm. um, okay. because if, if you, people aren't being engaged and that they're not really sharing it, because when people are engaged and sharing your content, because okay. you know you have to see some people that would have hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, you know, uh, views on a video. Yeah, people are watching, but are they actually subscribing? Are they actually sharing your content? You know, that's how mm-hmm. I look at it. Right. Right. So some people may say. Well, you don't get 200,000 views a video. No, I don't. Not at all. I mean, shoot, if you understand the news side of YouTube, you understand why. But more people are willing to click that subscribe button and, and get involved in other ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. And through your, your growth process, um, 
what are some of the key things that you learned that helped you grow um, and that uh, that helped your audience kind of dig into your content? Um, consistency. Um, that's that's a key thing. Um, you got to constantly keep people's name, keep your name in people's heads. Um, you got to become a household name and you can make yourself that way by repetition. Um, you know, you know, psychologically, if a person hears something 40 times, it gets to their subconscious. So, you know, if a person watches videos 40 days in a row or 40 times, or well, even if, if when, when I'm out, put it like this, when I'm out sometimes, people say, I know your voice. You know, where do you think that comes from? It comes from the subconscious. You know, they don't see me, they know my voice. And, um, you know, Kellen heard that before. You know, people say I knew his voice uh, more than anything. And my voice isn't a famous one, but it gets to stick to your subconscious. Yeah, and and it seems, Phil, that you're not a you're not scared to try, whether it be the YouTube, whether it be the um the book that is on Amazon, the movie that is on Amazon, and um you know what 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 are I mean? It seems like you might even have music coming. I'm just throwing a shot in the dark, you know. Um, could that be possibly something something that no one else may have heard? Um, you know, does music at all interest you? Maybe like a Southern Soul type sound. What interests me? I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I used to sing a lot back in the day. You know, back in the day, I used to sing a lot. But um, and I'm willing to try anything once. You know, I tell people that just just for fun. Sometimes I'm willing to try something, and if it works, I stick with it. If it don't, you never see me do it again. That's kind of how I did everything. <laughs> you know, like because because to me. If the people not gonna like it or they're not gonna engage with it, then I'm not wasting my time. My time is precious. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. And what's the, yeah? What, and so what? What genre would it be? A southern soul, R and B, and would it be more more of a a, a a boys to men or a Luther Vandross style? Or, give us some more than that. Mm, I guess for me, I guess probably it'd be more '90s R and B. I don't think that's a good era, 90s R&B, and that kind of music. Okay. Kind of like, kind of like you know that 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 current song that uh, Cardi B have and, and Bruno Mars that style. You know what I'm saying? That 90s. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging that. Yeah, that's that real yeah. nostalgic. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging that sound. Yeah, that's not, that sounds the best sound. At least with R&B in a modern era, I'm gonna say that was that was the best sound. Yeah, right. And you know, of course, you go back to the 80s and you know all your cameos. And, you know, and all that. That's still a good era too. But you know, I think that '90s R&B was just, you know, that's that's, you know, I know people don't don't like to talk about it too much, but you know, the R. Kelly eras and all that. You know, so, okay. gave it thirty that, years. Phil, he gave us thirty years. Phil, <laughs> y'all don't want to believe the truth. <laughs> yeah. He hit that note though. He really hit that note in that interview. Um. <laughs> Speaking of, let's let's dive a, a, a little bit into that. The the I guess the assault of media on black males in a way. And I know you you give some uh, some strong opinions on that. I'd like to hear some of them uh, some some of them right here. Okay. Um, can you ask more of a specific question? So uh, let's take for instance, you have Oprah on Mike. You have Gail King on R. Kelly. Um, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Jussie? Um, yeah, Jussie? Jussie? you got, you got, you right. You got them, uh, weighing in on Jussie, right? Um, what was that? Um, Rob, uh, Robin, um, gosh, is it Robin? Robin um, what's her last name? 
can't Rob, think Robin from, from Good Morning America. <laughs> right. <laughs> ABC. Right. So, mm-hmm. and you, it was, it's like all of the, the black women are weighing in now on the, the black males, but we don't often see them weighing in when the counterparts that they know, um, such as Oprah's relationship with like Harvey Weinstein, she, you know, where is the, the huge weigh in on that, right? The, the one, that want to really sink their teeth in on that story. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, Oprah is a plantation mammy, a rich one. But she's a plantation mammy, and, and, and that's why she won't go after her buddy Harvey Weinstein. But shoot, I believe Oprah is part of, part of that that group. That you know, that one picture I posted with Rita Ora, uh, you know, and Harvey Weinstein was touching her. She looked so uncomfortable yep. and like overlooking like a madam in that picture. You know, and mm-hmm. we're putting that past that. that that plantation mammy, what she does, um, you know, because my thing is, you know, she really exposed herself as a plantation mammy with the Michael Jackson situation. You know what I'm saying? And then every time you look up, Oprah's all taking pictures, all these old weird looking uh, folks in Hollywood. And a lot, you know, a lot of them had these pedophile rings. And you never hear Oprah blasting that. You know what I'm saying? Corey Feldman mm-hmm. tried to go and, and put that out there. You didn't see Oprah reach out to him, but she right. cool with all these right. sick pedophiles right. in Hollywood. Um, you know, when it comes to the situation with Gail King, I mean, well, she's been groomed too. I mean, and that's the thing that they they have no problem using the women against you know us as the men. Now, R. Kelly, in my opinion, you know, I mean, I guess he knew what he's doing, but I wouldn't have gave no Gail King no interview on no CBS. Hell no, you know, I wouldn't have done it. But that's, that's you know, that's them on that. But the media is definitely always not to destroy the image, you know, of the black man. And if we aren't smart or hip to that, then I don't know what, you know, more to say about that. Um, you know, they always, the media is the PR firm for the white male image, okay? They will always protect the white male image. They would, no matter what they do, they're going to protect it. They're going to give excuse for it. I mean, they just need the fact they PR firm. And I guess uh, before we close out, I want to do, open it up uh, for one last uh, round of questions before we, uh, before we wrap up here. Oh yeah. Uh most recently this actually just kinda of just popping up in the uh the laptop and um you know just some last thoughts on some, some recent news, Phil. What are your thoughts on this uh this education scandal that's going on here? It's not even it's not even a scandal. What's wrong with these people? Right. It's not even a scandal. This is just ridiculous, yo. This is just out of control. You go on ahead and so wipe that up for me. Go ahead. Okay. My opinion about it is what we already knew. They, they, mm-hmm. The white folks do a lot of dirty things to get ahead. It was just exposed, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful thing that was exposed. You know, we live in an age of exposure, and, and, and now, you know, all these, you know, white folks you see getting into these Yale and Harvard and, you know, black kids and smart came to get in. Uh, then on top of mm-hmm. they, if they're not paying for college admissions, they're using affirmative action, white women in particular, using affirmative mm-hmm. action right. to get into these colleges. You know, even at HBCUs, I was looking at um, – it was it, Bethune Cookman? I've seen a bunch mm-hmm. of white folks on the golf team, white folks on there. We can't even have a couch by ourselves without mm-hmm. white folks showing up. Um, <laughs> you, you, you get what I'm saying? So, so it, it, it's, well, you know, a lot of these, especially the rich folks, I would say as a collective, let me use the word, white, white supremacy as a collective never earned crap. They they never earned it. It never worked for nothing. That's just how they operate. Right. Thieves. But now I'm not saying white individuals didn't do any work, but as a collective, right. that's just how they get down. They don't believe they got to right. work hard. Right. Like, take a test, please. I'll pay somebody to do it. Test? 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 Yeah. Test? yeah. <laughs> like Soldier Boy. 
Can you tell us about your um, your upcoming tour in September and October? You'll be uh, traveling a little bit um, across the country. Let the people know about that and where they can check for you. Oh, what yeah, we're supposed to be doing a six-city doing a six city tour, um, you know, coming up later on in the fall. Uh, I'm waiting I'm waiting on the flyers and anything else to come along with that so I can start promoting that. But uh, as soon as I get that, I will let people know. That way you can uh, buy you some tickets and come out and, and, and see what we got going on. Last time we had an event, you know, they say it sold out. It was, it was a good show, great people. And, you know, I prefer to do events more than anything because uh, I like, you know, meeting with the people. The only issue that I have with the people, everybody want to talk to me, and I'll be there for hours. So <laughs> I got to learn how to get away from people sometimes. But, you know, it, it's great. It's great, you know. And um, I think the cities is what, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, uh, D.C., Houston, I think that's all the cities I'm not mistaken. I miss Chicago, I think. So, uh, yeah. yeah okay. so just, I think there was pull one. Up, pull up one, to New York. Pull up to New York. Well, come I, check I, you, I think they were. You know where you gonna they be were there. talking about. They were talking about adding one more in uh, like Plantation, Alabama. It's a small community, but I think they're making a special request. Well, they 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 gonna add one. They need they need to go back to the drawing board and take care of some business aspects. <laughs> get that get that get that bag right. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I do want to say thank you, Phil, for for coming on with us and uh, appreciate all that you do and and looking forward to uh, connecting with you way more in the future. Thank all you, right, all right. I need and I need all right. And I need one of them diversified game T-shirts. I need a, a double X. <laughs> oh yeah, well that that's already uh that's already taken care of right there. So you're gonna all get right. that shortly. All right. <laughs> all right. So I think this is a good place to stop our dialogue for this episode and allow you, the listeners, to join the conversation and keep the dialogue going with us online. You can do so by visiting our social media at Facebook Diversified Game Podcast on Instagram and Twitter Game Diversified online diversifiedgames.com in your life with the people around you and or join our patreon and get some nice perks for being involved if you found a nugget and are like today's episode you might as well leave a review and if you leave a review you might as well share it if you share it you might as well subscribe and as always thanks for your support Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and lots, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content. This, this is, 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 is Diversified diverse, 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 game, 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 game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds, you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So let the game begin.
Hey, it's Kellen. Tyson here. And of course, AO. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Philip Scott from the Advise Media Network, YouTube's first black news channel to reach over 1 million subscribers. This, 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 is, is, this is diversified, diversified. 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 Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds, you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. He also has two other channels that range from, you know, over 100,000 subscribers to, you know, even a smaller channel, Cops on Blast, to 13,000, and his own podcast. So, Philip Scott, thank you for joining us today. Good morning. Good morning. So, how is it going? Um, glad to be on with you. And um, let us know. I mean, you're you're one of the biggest uh youtubers out there especially in the black community um that's spreading truth in a message so let us know more about that oh man i mean for you know for us it is i don't look at it at those numbers right everybody mm-hmm. talk about those numbers and, and that's like the last thing in my mind you know what's in my mind is you know putting out the next um news story or podcast you know what what the people you know want to hear i mean you know if we focus on numbers at least for us i, I mm-hmm. think we will just start you know like I did my recent podcast, I'm giving myself a lacio, and I'm not trying to do that. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just that's counterproductive. So we just focus on putting out content, man. And well, Tyson, Tyson, yeah. you're supposed to introduce him as one of the biggest, the largest, the undefeated champion of debate <laughs> of all, undisputed, <laughs> Un- undisputed in all weight classes. You know, um, and then start name dropping, but then Phil might have been like, "Come on, man, you doing right?" It. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm saying that now. I'm like, like yeah. "Come on, y'all doing way too much." Early in the morning. <laughs> That's funny. I want to uh, just draw a reference because I was thinking about this before. The difference between modesty, humility, and then having someone just straight up ego tripping. And what I found through being around Phil is that uh, his his modesty is is intact like a mug and i don't i don't really believe in humility i believe in modesty and that's one thing that i can say being around you phil that was uh that was amazing to see the way that phil uh opens his arms up to people and says hey listen i'm i'm a human just like you if there's something you want to know from me i'm going to give it to you as straight um and as palatable as possible and he has no barrier for who who he'll kind of uh give a shot to talk to and um and that I have to say I truly appreciate. Through that, got to meet some amazing people while we were down at Podfest. So I just want to thank you for that. Well, you know, man, it's it's you know the the more you grow, the more you have to um you know you say modest. You, so you, some people may say humility. Mm-hmm. Some people may say just um don't forget the bridges that cross you over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, okay. so so you. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta kind of stay that way because you know the moment you get a big head, you know sometimes you make more enemies doing that, believe it or not, right. than what you would have had before. Right. I don't need more enemies than what I got now, so I just think it works better for me just to you know to be me. But don't get me don't get it twisted. I'm pretty sure you, you see how I am. I got I got plenty of mouths and plenty to say. 
You're right. You can you can hold it. You can hold your own for sure, which I'm sure doesn't hurt. And when you're making connections with people who uh, might might think that they can hold their own as well. So, but yeah, man, it was amazing to see it in person. Yeah, you know the the, yeah the um, you know what the people don't get though, Phil, and I want you to you know answer this is does the humility come from the the humble beginnings or that you are still you know in the grind working youtube isn't the only thing that you do and that are and do you think if when you do retire you will you know pull on the full entrepreneur hat of okay i'm an entrepreneur um we know you won't use the words my brand my brand but do you think it's that working with the everyday man and still being in the struggle, even though you know, are reported to have $10 million, says the internet, and we know we can believe everything on the internet, um, what do you think keeps you humble? Man, I just don't like people that, um, that pop their collar. I just don't like that. I think that's, that's very ugly. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not being a good spirit. And, 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 you know, just as quick as you can get it, just as quick as you can lose it. So at least if you're going to lose it, at least people be more willing to, to, to um, support your comeback or they'll be willing to, to even help you come back when you have a good, you know, good attitude, good spirit. So I just I just don't know no other way but but to be. I just feel that the more you grow, the more you have to take responsibility, you know, with your attitude and everything else. And now what and I want to just touch on some some harder hitting stuff, because, I mean, I see the trolls on the channel um you know all the vast array of topics that you cover um that and and i feel like truly if if an issue affects uh the black community uh then it 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 really does impact the community overall whether they see it that way or not how do you tackle such large issues um or points of controversy and um and still keep your keep your head tight with with everything that people say to you or come at you about well, we talk about the news stories themselves. Uh, you know, like you said, I cover them, and and I, I had to learn to not allow them to affect me mentally. You know, I had to learn how to detach. Because at one point in time, I was taking it all in like a sponge, and I was going crazy uh, right. to the point that I, that I felt like I needed to go talk to somebody. But then, you know, like I said when I went to Ethiopia, and I was sitting in a hotel room, and I just realized, you know, there's just a craziness in this country, and how it got us so, you know twisted. I mean, I care about the stories I'm doing. Don't get me wrong. I definitely care, but I, but I know how to, to, to take it off, you know, not keep it on right. because it can make you angry. It can make you, you know, not, you know, happy. And, you know, you got a family, um, right. you know, with, with that. Now, when it comes to the trolls, I mean, I love that. I mean, I love the trolls. <laughs> um, the trolls give me life, you know, so, yeah. I mean, if they were trolling, they'd be boring. You're right. The trolls and the goblins, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. I got a question, Phil. Um, with being able to detach, detach yourself, learn well, learning rather to uh, detach yourself from from stories. What has been the most difficult uh, news story to cover? Recent, well, recently, recently, recently. For me, it is. It, I think the most difficult for me, or for what I'm seeing, and I'm more passionate about, you know, uh, our children, and, and I don't like that the way our children are being treated in public school because they're little kids and what and what bothers me and also pisses me off is that we as adults as a collective in the black community we complain all freaking day about racism but then we go hand our kids to these white folks you know what i'm saying we have enough collective power and money to make schools in every city 
for our children to go to and not be subjected them to that, but yet we'll still give our children to these people and complain. That that's the that's the thing that right. like bothers me more than anything. You know, like let's get the work done. You know what I'm saying? But you rather talk about my wife and, and, and what she got going on and and, and pocket right. watching me or whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Said pocket watching me. <laughs> but no, so I mean and this might be a point of controversy right here. So is that are you saying that uh actually segregation in certain sex is a good thing after seeing what's kind of happened. Well, we got to look at what worked, okay? Um, mm-hmm. In this country, in this country, you know, during segregation, you know, black people's families are more intact. Um, we, you know, had more businesses. We did. We supported mm-hmm. our businesses. Right. Um, you know, black teachers were employed a lot more during, you know, mm-hmm. uh, segregation. And, and has it, you got to look at the effects. Did the effects in the black community in desegregation, has it been better for us or worse? Based on, you know, factual things we're looking at, based right. on our attitude, our ways, business-wise, it's been worse for us. Right. So Absolutely. technically, if you look at, you know, technically, economic, and even on the economic side, let's talk about that. Have we really improved since since the uh, segregation? I mean, our home ownership yeah. level is only maybe what? It's about the same now. It's still the right. same from the 60s. So and uh, median, median income has gone down. Yeah, yeah, and, and I was listening to uh, what's his name, Andrew Yang. He was saying by by what next fifteen twenty years, uh, black people collectively gonna be worth zero with, with automation. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because you know, of course, you know, they finally white folks from these jobs, which you know they, they need to get fired a lot of. Them. But you know, <laughs> if black folks aren't entrepreneurs, they're gonna be mm-hmm. stuck out. So creating, I want to talk about that because you you did bring up obviously like there's enough money collectively for schools. Um, what do you believe are some of the key businesses for the black community um, to start for themselves? Uh, start with your patronize. I mean, we all patronize the, the barber and beauty salon. Um, so that's a business that we're not tapped into, at least on the beauty supply side. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar business. And why is it that we are allowing Asians and Indians to overrun that business? We need to take that business back for ourselves. So that could be billions of dollars right there. Um, you look at all these different people at restaurants coming to the black community. We should be owning more restaurants. You know, black people now are doing everything. They're um, not only eating soul food, they're eating vegan. They're doing all kinds of things. So it's all these Chinese coming in. Why don't we open up uh, restaurants in our community? Um, like I said, we use cell phone communication. I know you got Figures communication, but he can't be the only one. Um, right. You know, anything that we use, we should, you know, go after. I mean, especially uh, things that we use all the time and we're such a and some people may get mad about this but we're such a consumerist community um that it seems like really the the options for what we can own and and get back to some form of uh, self-community reliance is is endless because it really well, we, is everything <laughs> well we, we are a white consumerist community let's make sure we put that because mm, oh, the moment right. a black person the moment a black person offers something, you're looking funny at it. You, you're wondering if, if, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's the sad part more than anything because every other community know that, hey, we support, you know, our community. But when it comes to black folks, you know, no, we, we, it's self-hate. And the self-hate goes from right. America to the shores of the continent to the Caribbean. I mean, that is a global issue of black folks that we got to address. And, and how, do, how do you, and I know you and I have all the answers, but how do you believe that that got, so ingrained in us to question when we see 
our own having a business when again before uh desegregation that was the norm we had to have a business in order to have what we needed or wanted right so how did that mentality just shift so much to where now we question um each other owning businesses well i mean a lot of us believe the white man's ice is colder i mean that's just kind of what it is i mean a lot of black people i, I believe the majority of black people believe white people are superior to them because they didn't believe white people were superior, they wouldn't believe the white man's ice is cold. Mm. It's, it's just that simple. And a lot of superiority come from white Jesus that they have ingrained in us since uh, slavery. You know, and they, they specifically said in the 10 uh, precepts of American slavery jurisprudence that we got to make them believe God is white. It, it, it's plain as day in that. And mm. they have made black people believe God, God is white when if all you have to do is read the Bible. And you'll see he's not white. He's more closer to, you know, looking like a copper colored brother with, mm-hmm. with woolly hair. But, you know, you don't mm-hmm. read the Bible. You listen to your Jack Leg preacher collecting his mm-hmm. 501c3 instead of giving you the scriptures for what it really is. Um, that That's really the majority of our problem. And I say that those black churches, but well, that's, a, that's a totally different uh, show. <laughs> no, the black churches, especially the megas. It, it's not it, it's from the great it's from the greatest of them to the smallest of them smallest like of them. I said you yeah. look at their work that how is it that you got a church but you're not in the streets i don't know you i don't see you that's why when creflo dollar won the jet like creflo we don't see you landing that jet nowhere in the hood <laughs> or, or no like what are you talking about <laughs> if you need a jet going where you're not you landing the jet in the hood <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you know i, I thought the scriptures taught taught to uh, uh first do it in, in, in your city do it in your surrounding areas, do it in your country, mm-hmm. then go out to the world. You ain't doing right. none of that. You, just, you know, so, man. <laughs> you just hopping on the jet trying to leave the hood. That's what you're trying to do. Um, wow. Well, okay. Phil, okay. Phil, we've seen recently you put out a post about the um, the Black Caucus and the members and pretty much yes. calling them out like you do many politicians. Mm-hmm. Some would say, and it's rumored, it's rumored on the uh, – CPR firm trending charts right here that you might consider taking an office later. And if you were to consider taking office, what office would you run for? If I ever thought about doing that, it'd be Congress. But like, but like I tell people, you know, reality state that Sheila Jackson Lee and Al Green are spending close to a million dollars uh, to run. I mean, based off of what I read. So, you know, you, you need that. You need that, and maybe then some to get them out. And and I have a question, particularly about the list, because I noticed a, a, a few names on there. And I noticed the number one is John Lewis in Georgia. So now, if memory serves, is that, is that John Lewis who actually marched? Is that who? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Lewis, mm-hmm. the one talking about I got, got my behind, Wilson Selma, you know, the long yep. time ago, Lewis. <laughs> my mind whipped itself a long time ago, Lewis. <laughs> Man, that's a moniker. That's a moniker right there. Um, so now, right, John, I got my behind whipped itself a long time ago, Lewis. Um, and 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 respect for those. I mean, I want to. Uh, there's there's a there's an amount of respect that we we're, we're gonna give for that that era. And hey, you you were you definitely you were in the fight. Can't take that away. But now, how does that work now when it comes to the mentality shift of reparations when we can see reparations being given to other communities that atroc that have faced forms of atrocities right um we don't want to scale them out but 
uh, why is it that when it comes to our atrocity that people are confused about reparations um, and even people fighting against their own self-interest with that? Well, let me let me uh, uh, say something why I said that about John Lewis. John Lewis mm-hmm. has said and done a lot of things that is so, you know, anti-black. So it's like sometimes you could do things to invalidate your good works. Mm-hmm. You know, now I understand the brothers and sisters in the civil rights movement, they fought and they, they, they dealt with that. But, you know, they were young mm-hmm. back then, but it right. was daytime. So, see, right. they got to the point they're old, <laughs> they want to die in peace, they ain't trying to rock the boat. So so right. all that reparation talk is rocking the boat for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They they did that already. So yeah, I'm pretty sure they're saying these little, these little young Negroes need to chill out, man. I, I got a good position here. You know what I'm saying? Right. Got my government check, and, and right. I got some benefits, and they about to mess that up. So, oh man. So, do you think that part of the issue with uh, politicians that should have the black community's best interest at heart is that they've gotten to a point of complacency almost? Like they're like, "Hey, you know what? I, I got it good, and 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 I put my time in. Let me just kind of enjoy these last days instead of be fighting these days out." Uh, it seems like that might be some of the motive there, right? Like that is that is the motive. I mean, you I tell people don't pay attention to people's words, pay attention to the action. If you hear your so-called congressional black caucus talking about every other group of black people, then you got a problem. You have a major right. problem. I don't hear the the Jewish people talking about anybody else but Jews. I don't hear mm-hmm. the Hispanic caucus talking about anybody else but Hispanic or LGBTQ right. people talking about anybody right. else but them. I mean, you know, but when it comes to the Congressional Black Caucus, you say everything. You don't even like using the word black. You don't want to speak about reparations. Speak about anything. I'm like you, the biggest caucus in Congress, what 54 members, and you mm-hmm. don't do crap. You get what I'm saying? Now, not all the members of the CBC was against it. You had 22 right. members that do support HR 40, and which is, you know, the representatives here, Al Green and Sheila Jackson Lee. They they wasn't on that list, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to them for that. But um, many of them was on there, and I didn't like the Ilhan Omar was on there either, because I I got to talk about that. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so when when you look at this, and you said you you would look at running running for Congress if you ever took up the mantle. So you heard it heard it here. Uh, I'll say you heard it here almost first. Um, <clears throat> so, how does that? How does how do you believe that getting to the congressional level would impact versus um, looking at your local or regional level to to impact your direct community? Um, you know, what do you think the difference would be there? Pulpit, because mm-hmm. if I had a two year pulpit to to, to further true uh, black empowerment, um, that's that's what you need. That's what you mm-hmm. got to have. And, and also, yes, I represent certain bills, you know, for sure, um, to push those issues. And then if they have an issue with me pushing a bill, then I'll call them out on things they have pushed in the past right. and let them know, say, okay, you lied, you did this, but you won't do this for, for the black community. Yeah, then, then we got a problem. So, you know, I believe we should, no different than what uh, Cortez is doing and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Omar is doing. They, they right. got the pulpit and now that's why they, you know, doing what they're doing. Phil, can you talk about the, um, do you think that it's in the digital age, do you think that, you know, what you saw in Ethiopia where the young people and young could be, you know, 60 and below, how, you know, from the presidency to Ethiopian Airlines, you're, you see, you know, you don't see the same players. And they've had their own, you know, transformation in the last 
five to eight years. But do you think that the age has a, something to do, has, has you know, plays with the, the politicians and the progress? Because we see in many countries like Cameroon, the president stayed for 37 years, which is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of the norm for many African dictators, I mean, leaders. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, well, it's the norm for America, too. You have to think about it. Most of the people on Capitol Hill is what you consider elderly, okay? Nancy Pelosi, no matter how much she uh, colors her hair, she's an elderly woman. Uh, Maxine Waters mm-hmm. is an elderly woman. Donald Trump mm-hmm. is an elderly man. I mean, he's man. in his freaking 70s. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. people need to think about that. So they're not no different than African nations. They want to hold mm-hmm. on to power. They don't want to get out. And, and you look at what 